0: good morning River City thank you it's such a pleasure to see everybody here this morning Um, my name is Antromica Knight and it is my pleasure to welcome you to service this Sunday Um, each Sunday we start off with the lectionary um, and the lectionary is a set of scriptures that kind of walk you through the Bible each year. And it's a way to connect with the global church. You can actually find this. I gave the wrong website last week, but you can actually find it on lectionarypage.net. So if you wanted to journey through the lectionary through the week, you can also participate in that way. This week is gonna start off at Psalm 1 through two, and then it's gonna jump to verse 10, I think, or 10 or 11, but it says, I cry aloud to God, aloud to God, and he will hear me. In the day of my trouble, I seek the Lord. In the night, my hand is stretched out without wearying. My soul refuses to be comforted. I will remember the deeds of the Lord. Yes, I will remember your wonders of old. I will ponder all your work and meditate on your mighty deeds. Your way, O God, is holy. What God is great like our God. You are the God who works wonders. You have made known your might among the peoples. You with your arm redeem your people, the children of Jacob and Joseph, Selah. When the water saw you, O God, when the water saw you, they were afraid. Indeed, the deep trembled. The clouds poured out water. The skies gave forth thunder. Your arrows flashed on every side. The crash of your thunder was in the whirlwind. Your your lightnings lighted up the world. The earth trembled and shook. Your way was through the sea, your path through the great (coughs) waters. Yet your footprints were unseen. You led your people like a flock by the hand of Moses and Aaron. If we can bow our heads in prayer. Father God, we thank you for this Sunday in which we are gathered. Here at River City, we welcome those who are first-time visitors who have been with us a while. We welcome those, Father God, who are still seeking to understand who you are. We pray that they feel this is a safe place because you are here. The Holy Spirit is here, and we thank you for that. We thank you for all the volunteers this Sunday, God. We thank you for Josh and Sarah. We thank you, Father God, for those who continue to pour into us as a church. We love you, in Jesus' name, amen.
1: So even as we go into prayer, the praise has already led the way. And in our songs and with our voices, with our hands, We've already said, yes, our God reigns. We've already said, yes, God, do the thing only you can do. Yes, God, pick up the pieces. Be the defender of those who have lost all hope. those whose hearts are in pieces, for those who have no homes, whether physical or spiritual, for those that have no family, for the countries that are in pieces, families that are torn apart, marriages that are fractured, we say, yes, God, you reign. So as we move through the spheres in which we're going to pray this morning, after I say it, I want you guys to say, yes, our God reigns. So as we pray for the universal church, its members, and its mission, yes, our God reigns. We pray for our nation and all those who have been given authority, and we say, yes, our God reigns. We pray for the welfare of the world and for what is happening, for the evil that might prevail, yet we say, yes, our God reigns. For the concerns of this local community, for Smyrna and Cobb County, the surrounding areas, for the needs that we face every day, we say, yes, our God reigns. And for those we know who suffer and are in trouble, we say, yes, our God reigns. And we pray this morning specifically for this body and for our prayers of this season, that we would be people of prayer, that we would be people of presence, that we would be a generous people who give and people who serve. We posture our hearts towards you and we say, yes, our God reigns. Let that truth burrow deep into our souls. And with every deep breath we breathe in, we say, yes, our God reigns. So to him who sits on the throne and unto the lamb, be blessing and honor and glory and power forever and ever. And God's people say, amen.
2: How's everybody doing? Awesome. I'm, kinda, I'm gonna shift things around a little bit for what I was originally gonna do. It won't affect you really at all. It'll just affect me. Um, we're gonna do some, um, some pretty intense prayer. And by that I mean we're just gonna pray together for some things at the end. Um, we recognize before service today, today is really like a commissioning and ascending Sunday in a lot of ways. We are sending a Scotland team. We're gonna be praying over the maze. Who are being sent to the mission field of California? We someone's being deployed this week, right here, your last Sunday. I just found that out after we decided it was commissioning Sunday. Josh and Sarah are going to Canada or Canada, however you'd like to say it, and with my with our family. And so, I feel like there is a sense of commissioning, but I also felt like during prayer I needed to share with you guys something that is completely unrelated to the message, but I feel like it's for us. And it's from Dr. Johns who came here and taught about a month ago on the sacred text. And she says, if you are looking into the mountains ahead and see nothing but clouds signaling danger and opposition, know your help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. God actually delights walking in those dark hills. So I just needed to encourage you that if you feel like your next season is darker or has tones of not funness, I would like you to just raise your hand. We're not going to send anybody to you. If that just feels like it kind of lands on you, just, just give me a wave, and we're gonna, I'm going to pray for you really quickly. All right. So we're going to pray for you guys really quickly, if that's all right. Everybody just close your eyes with me. So, Father, um, these are people that you've highlighted today and that have been highlighted on my heart. So we ask that you would give them the grace and peace to know that they can throw all of their faith into you before they feel it or sense it or see it, that their job right now is to just trust you, that you will be their God and that they will be yours and that you will do what needs to be done. And difficulties and and perceived victories, we just give it all to you. We just hand it over all of those things that seem unmanageable in our own estimation with our own set of skills and things, we give it all to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So I'm going to jump right in. I'm, I'm kind of mixing it up, Bill. I'm going to do the prayer for the Mays, the prayer for the Scotland team, and the prayer for the Turners right at the end. I'm trying to give ample space for that, so I'm going I'm to crank through this message. So if you'll open your Bible with me to Luke 9, verses 51 through 62. I want you to, while you're opening up that, the, the big question today is, what's God's place in your life? specifically speaking, what is his role for you? Is he supposed to be a part of what we're doing, right? Like I mentioned this, like we're going into July 4th and celebration, is it, you know, I love God and I love country? Like, is that it? No, that's not it. Is it, you know, I love God and I love family? No, we know that's not it. It's, it's God's place is, he's the organizer of our loves. He goes numero uno and then he decides the next, right? Like, that's not comfortable for us. So questions and passages like I'm about to read today are uncomfortable, and there's a harsh tone to them, and there's a way to make it not harsh in the same ways that we can make church not church. By providing everything for you to come to the Disneyland experience of gathering, we dim the lights, we give you everything you've ever desired, and we send you on your way, and you haven't even really been a part of the body, right? Like, we do the same thing with God. We We sometimes take passages that are hard to read and say something they're not saying when they're intended to have a reaction. And a lot of times when Jesus is walking around the Gospels, he's saying things that makes people confused, not because he's a mean God and not because Jesus came to harm us, but because there's a point to why he's doing that. So when we read these passages, it's important to not just skip over the ones that aren't like, for God has plans for you, says Lord. Who knows that one? Who's quoted that before? Or I'm the head and not the tail. We know that one. But when he starts talking about things like turn your other cheek or confess sin, he just that, like simple, theologically beautiful gift he's given to humanity to be able to confess where we need him and where we've failed so that he can cleanse. Even that's like, oh, we're not, we're not touching that. So today's one of those passages for me that is really just it's it's harsh. There's no, just prepare for that, okay? Can we agree to agree on that? Can we do that? Okay, I'm going to read it. So when the days drew near for him to be taken up, he set his face to Jerusalem, and he sent messengers ahead of him who went and entered a village of the Samaritans to make preparations for him. But the people did not receive him because his face was set towards Jerusalem. And when the disciples, James and John, saw it, they said, Lord, do you want us to tell fire to come and consume them from heaven? just like we all would. But he turned and rebuked them and they went to another village. As they were going along the road, someone said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the son of man has nowhere to lay his head. To another, he said, follow me. But he said, Lord, let me first go bury my father. And Jesus said to him, Leave the dead to bury their own dead, but as for you, go and proclaim the kingdom of God. (laughs) Yet another said, I will follow you, Lord, but let me first say farewell to those at my home. Jesus said to him, no one puts his hand to the plow and looks back, and who looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. Amen? So, So that's not one you hear a lot, right? Like... Who's heard this passage before and just loved it, right? <laughs> instant, instant questions are, that's, that's, that's too harsh. We get the gospel of don't choose debauchery and selfishness and hatred, self-centeredness. Like, all right, we will not do those anymore. But he's literally saying like, don't bury a parent and don't give mom and dad hugs and kisses. So why does he say this, right? Like, there, we, I think if you know enough about the gospel and Jesus, you know that Jesus is not a harsh, mean person who's trying to make us submit to him and is angry with us. It's, this almost sounds like one of those conversations where somebody's having an irrational argument, like you do with your spouse, where like no matter what, at one point, you're just like, I'm gonna win this. And it doesn't, the only thing that matters from this is just that I win. Jesus isn't that way. He doesn't care to win, right? His winning is losing, that's what confuses everyone. They're like, no, you're not winning. You should you should definitely be winning and you're losing. And we all know that losing is terrible. And Jesus is like, no, this is, this is to win. To lose here is to win, which is confusing and baffling. So why is this happening? The first thing that's interesting is that Jesus sets his face. Everybody on the count of three, look over there. One, two, three. If someone walked, stay there. Don't look back, guys. Come on, come on. Look over there. If someone walked in this room right now and tried to figure out what was happening, they would have one question. What would it be? What are they looking at, right? Do you like my little object lesson? <laughs> Man, I was like, that was going to happen even more beautifully than it did. But, but it's stuck because all of you decided to look somewhere. The question remains, what are you looking at? This passage is talking about how Jesus sets his face towards Jerusalem, which for some people doesn't make sense. The passage right before is the transfiguration. Jesus feels confirmed in what his calling is. His conversation with those he shouldn't be having a conversation with is about, what am I about to do? I'm about to go to the cross. Right after this, that's the harvest field conversation. So right in the middle of that, Jesus sets his face towards Jerusalem and on his way, and it's not a geographical thing. It's not like, all right, what's, there's Jerusalem, here's me, guys, tell me to get right there. It's not that. It's a theological like sense, like now it's time. I'm about to head to the cross. I'm about to head to Jerusalem. And so it's baffling that he would send his disciples to a Samaritan village who is at odds and at war with their community for over 200 years. Jesus knew what was going to happen. So he says to them, go have them prepare a place for me. So they go, of course, show up. Listen, we're here uh, because Jesus, he's Jewish, would like a place to stay. And they're not having it at all. No, he's not staying here. And the reason they don't want him to stay there isn't because they don't want the gospel. They don't even know what that is yet. It says because he set his face to Jerusalem. So the only reason he wasn't allowed to stay there was just because of the Jewish tradition with them. They are at odds. There's not enough in that relationship for them to be like, come on and stay with us. So the disciples ask a question that seems crazy, but it's not. And do you know why? Don't answer me. Jason Hamill's on a trip right now, or he would have answered right there. <laughs> Second Kings 1.10. But Elijah answered the captain of 50, If I am a man of God, let fire come down from heaven and consume you and your 50. Then fire came down from heaven and consumed him and his 50. <laughs> Boom! So these guys are now connected to Jesus, who is the fulfillment. He's definitely here to come and do this. So when they come back to him and they're like, we went and did what you said, and they're not doing what we said. let us Would it not be a decent idea if we just maybe like you did historically and call fire down on them? That's actually not a terrible question. This is where, though, this is where he shows the nature of what's about to happen. And the way that he does it is he sends them into a situation where they won't get what they want. He sends them into Failure. And as they go into failure, they're like, the response when we fail with what we're doing for God, it must be to destroy. If this doesn't tap into every bit of your political insides on Facebook, when you call down fire on anyone who isn't willing to make space for Jesus, you've just killed what might ever happen. He's introducing the gospel of nonviolence and non-retaliation. And the only way that it spreads to this community is by someone willing to be so selfless that they send people to say, we're here for hospitality, and then be spurned and turned away so that they can remember that. And then a few weeks down the road, the cross will happen. And then somebody from that community will receive Jesus and go back to that community and say, do you remember those guys that came? This is what that was about. And then they will receive Jesus. So when we decide that our methods are the most important thing and that the response needs to be what we wanted, we lose. Jesus is in it if it doesn't work. What the? He's in it if it doesn't work. He's teaching them, get ready to be like, theologically I have a question. He's teaching them about tolerance. He's teaching them about how you can't make somebody want to be present with Jesus. All of us who believe in the presence of God and know that it's where we find our everything. And it is for me. I cannot make anyone have that. I can't make anybody have that. And when I decide to put on that posture and mantle of you will do this, I lose the ability to let them choose something that would be such a good gift. So when they say, I mean, honestly, we should probably call down fire because your mission, right? Your mission is gonna happen and it needs to happen. And they remove, they are the mission. So don't forget, right? When you're Facebooking in a couple months because it's already started happening. I don't even get on at this point. Like from here on, I don't even get on because there's just the dumbest things happening. Like we forget all of our, everything that really matters, we forget in these kind of scenarios. We decide to begin to fight. We we call down fire for God because he needs us to, right? That's not what he came to do. And that happened, so this is the confusing part. You have to look at the Old Testament through the lens of Jesus. You can't believe that God is just upset and angry. God's vision was always to love people so well that they stop being enemies. That's the vision of Christ, to love someone to the point of dying for them. That is it. And sometimes they will, and sometimes they won't choose. But I love this set your face to Jerusalem. And it reminds me of C.S. Lewis wrote a little book called The Lion. Cool. Just making sure. People pull up this quote. As Jesus sets his face towards Jerusalem, there's like in the when I read this, there was almost like this gong gong, like, like this like seriousness of Jesus now, like almost so much so to like historically even. In one of these scenarios, one of the people asked something that happened in Second Kings. One of the people asked, can I go say bye to my mother and father? In a literal conversation with Elijah about Elisha, Elijah asked Elijah, can I go say goodbye before I do this? And he lets him. Like, that's if that doesn't confuse you, and now in this scenario, no, you can't. There are some things, if you want to know what he plants his flag in about being serious and about we're drawing lines right here. His mission to the cross and what he does there is where we stick it in the ground and say, Jesus is the answer. You can fight about the other things. We can talk about prophecy. We can talk about the gifts and the fruits. But if you want to plant your flag in the ground, Jesus has set his face towards Jerusalem. He is not wavering. And some people won't want to talk to you because your face shall also be set towards Jerusalem. That is the mission of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that is something we cannot give over what he did and what he's doing on the cross continually. So with this, I want to read this. This is this is, this is a picture of C.S. Lewis explaining what's happening. And who, who already read it? Because you're just like that. Good job, guys. Thanks, Jonathan, for being honest. They say, Aslan is on the moves, perhaps has already landed, and now a very curious thing happened. None of the children knew who Aslan was any more than you do, but the moment the beaver had spoken these words, everyone felt quite different. Perhaps it has something... Perhaps it has sometimes happened to you in a dream that someone says something which you don't understand, but in a dream, it feels as if some enormous meaning, either a terrifying one, which turns the whole dream into a nightmare, or else a lovely meaning too lovely to put to words, which makes the dream so beautiful that you remember it all of your life and are always wishing you could get into it, that dream again. It was like that now. Jesus sets his face towards Jerusalem. At, that, at the name of Aslan, each one of the children felt something jump inside. Edmund felt a sensation of mysterious horror. Peter felt suddenly brave and adventurous. Susan felt as if some delicious smell, some delightful strain of music had just floated over her, and Lucy got the feeling you have when you wake up in the morning and realize that it's the beginning of the holidays or the beginning of summer. It's that wonder connected to Jesus setting his face to Jerusalem. It's that this is meaningful. It's that this reorients every, everything from this point forward. So, just for a little bit, I'm going to talk about this. The disciples respond to this very interestingly. And this is what I believe the whole purpose of this passage is. And if you can pull up this part of this passage again, Bill, you can go to, I think it's 6 through 12 or 6 through 11. Jesus uses harsh words as a gift. One person says, I will go with you zealously. I'll do whatever. And immediately he talks about what had just happened. If you decide that you would like this, you might not have a place to lay your head. You might not have anything to your name. The next person says, is invited to follow, come follow me. And Jesus says to him, you can't bury your mother or father. The next person says, I will follow, but let me say goodbye. These are the ways into the cross. These are the ways into Christ. Jesus wants them and he wants us now to evaluate the conditions that we have to follow him. When he says to us, and I hope that you've experienced this in something larger than just a narrative on a Sunday morning or a book you've read. I hope you've felt the voice of God in some way reach into you and say, come and follow me. And then had to wrestle with what your conditions are for doing so. What are the things that you say no to? And here's the interesting part. The things that we say yes to, we believe he blesses, and he does, but we elevate those things above him. What if he says to you to leave your family, to go into the mission field? What if he says to you to give all of your everything away? What if he says you won't have a home? That just happened. This isn't like a maybe. They went to Samaria to see if they could have a place to stay. They said no, they didn't have a place to stay. Sometimes following Jesus means you won't have a place to stay. Sometimes following Jesus means you have to evaluate do I love my wife and my family more than I love my Jesus? Nobody wants to dabble in that. Nobody wants to dabble in that. Who would you die for? Most of us in this room would say Justin Bieber. Not really. Our family. Most of us would say our kids. Our parents, maybe, Jesus, how do you evaluate your loves? He's trying to get them to look at the organization of what they do and how they love it. And the crucial moment is that when he stirs you and asks you for something, he's not saying that family is bad and that having a house is bad. That's not the point of this. The point is when he stirs you in that moment and he says, I need this from you, Do it, do it at that moment or you won't. It will not happen. And just for you to know the situation of this burial is not this person is dying. There are sometimes people would say in this community, my father is dying and the father would be 10 years away from death. That's just a phrase they would say. He's he's got a process he's going through. I'm gonna help him get to it. It's a way of saying, I don't have time for that right now. I don't have time for Jesus to be number one over everything. And we don't even know how to label that, right? For some of us, what does it mean for Jesus to be over everything? Do we even know how to have those conversations? I think what he's trying to say in all of these scenarios, you have to have open hands. And in this scenario with the dead parent, people believe, some people believe it's a metaphor of someone who exists within a structured life where death is all around, spiritual death. And Jesus is walking by saying, I would love to invite you into life. And the people are saying, I would love that too, but not right now. So when Jesus stirs, we respond. That's what this, I think, is about. And it's in our failure. So this is the beautiful thing about discipleship. We feel like we get our plan together. I understand this. I understand this. It's when we begin to fail that he begins to dabble in the things that really matter. You were sent, yes, to go take the gospel, yes, to tell them about me, yes, it didn't happen. And because it didn't happen, it revealed that you desire to harm them. And now that I have that, we can work. So when you fail, right? Like when all you see in the future, the mountains seem bleak, those are the exact grounds that God does the most for us to draw us into his story. When when you're successful all the time, that's just, there's nothing to work with, right? Like it's when you're sick that he speaks the loudest. It's when you can't reach someone in your family that he speaks the loudest. It's when you fail miserably at your job that he speaks the loudest. It's when you don't know what to do next spiritually that he speaks the loudest because he draws out of you the conversations he's been trying to have with them the whole time. He literally, at the beginning of chapter 9, said, if this scenario happens, dust the, get the dust off your feet and move on. He, like 50 verses before, pull it up for me, please. And he said to them, take nothing for your journey, no staff, no bag, no bread, no money, and do not have any tunic, two tunics. Like, you get it, right? And whatever house you enter, stay there, and from there depart. And wherever you do, they do not receive you, when you leave that town, shake the dust off your feet as a testimony against them. The gospel is like fluid. You go, and if it's not there, you move on. You take what he's given you, and you go, and you move on. But if it doesn't work, and you're making it work, Stop, stop, because you don't see, you don't see that to this community, they're still enemies. They're just demanding that this Jesus be taken. They're still enemies. There's still relational work that has to be done. So they have to depart from there. He has to go to the cross. He has to somehow figure out his plan, which is already figured out. He has to get that message back to them. And then they receive it. When we take it into our own hands, we, we thwart what he's trying to do. And that's what happens when we take the gospel of retaliation or violence or hatred or shame or labeling where somebody's wrong. If someone doesn't even want our Jesus yet, how can we have any expectations of them? That's what he's trying to share with us. With and they don't, they don't get it until, and they honestly don't get it at all for a while. But once Jesus dies, it's when they all come to life. Once they receive it as their own, once they personalize this as something for them, then the gospel goes through them when they go and they don't retaliate, and they're all killed, right? And that's horrible, and that's not encouraging. We're not going to build a church on that concept. But the life that he gives them is such good, formational, actual source that they're willing to. You don't do that without it being amazing. I'm going to read you something from Barclay. I haven't read him in about a year, and a couple of you have been really wanting me to, so... The conviction that our beliefs and our methods alone are correct has been the cause of more tragedy and distress in the church than almost any other thing. Oliver Cromwell wrote once, to the insurgent Scots, I beseech you by the bowels of Christ think it possible that you may be mistaken. T.R. Glover somewhere quotes a saying, remember that wherever, whatever you find your hands to do, someone thinks differently. There are many ways to God. He has his own secret stairway into every heart. He fulfills himself in many ways. And no man or church has a monopoly on this truth. But, and this is intensely important, our tolerance must be based not on indifference, but on love. Ooh, it's about to get sweaty up in here. When Abraham, sorry, We ought to be tolerant, not because... We could care less, but because we look at the other person with the eyes of love. When Abraham Lincoln was criticized for being too courteous to his enemies and reminded that it was his duty to destroy them, he gave the great answer, do I not destroy my enemies when I make them my friends? Even if a man be utterly mistaken, we must never regard him as an enemy to be destroyed, but as a strayed friend to be recovered by love. That has to happen to us and through us. That's the Jesus of the cross. You are a strayed friend to be recovered by love than to recover others by love. And that means you're gonna get smacked. And that's why he was so harsh to them because he gave them the gift of honesty. I can paint the picture that, I mean, imagine the American gospel being inserted there. We're gonna create these massive structures We're going to have the best worship leaders you've ever seen. They're going to be dark rooms. Everybody's going to be wearing extremely tight jeans. It's going to be awesome. He'd be like, that's pointless and stupid. Why are we even doing this? He gave them the gift to say, when you decide to follow me, please hear. If you don't hear, this is the last time I'm preaching for five weeks. We're gone for five weeks. He gave them the gift to say, if you desire to follow me, it won't be easy. And you can bank on it. It will not be easy, and people will not want you, and people will judge you based on your belief structures because you've set your face towards Jesus. They won't judge you because you're being mean. You will just be judged, and that is part of it. Now, if you want to receive the judgment of Jesus, then you judge those because he will rebuke you if you do that And the loving way of Jesus to invite you back in. But it's not your job to be the rebuker. It's your job to be the lover of lost friends and that is the gospel of Jesus Christ and that's what the cross was for and that's why he's gathering a body and equipping us to love those who are lost, be a part of the redemption story of the gospel. This is something I want to be a part of. I want to look at people and remind them of who they are before they even know it. I want there to be an eerie echo of feeling like I'm, I'm not home but there's, there's a home I'm longing for. I want to be the person who tells them about that home. The enemy that we have, that you have, the the even perceived enemy that's ridiculous, like the, the stupid Facebook stuff that's so dumb it doesn't even tamper with the reality of the gospel, that we could see those people not as enemies. I don't care if you believe that all Republicans are this or all Democrats are this. I don't care personally. Those two things do not house the gospel. We house the gospel. The gospel of Jesus Christ so we look into all of it, recovering lost friends at every turn. We are never to be the rebukers, never to be those who say that to anyone within the body we can and love. He gave them the gift to be honest with them. Being a Christian is not easy, and if it is, you're not doing it. It's not, it's not. It doesn't mean you're everybody's buddy and everybody loves you. Doesn't mean you're the nicest guy. For my first five years in ministry, I thought my goal was to be the nicest person and I did my best. And then it all like unleashed and it went opposite for a few years. It wasn't great. And then it lay, it kind of leveled out. And now I realize it's not even about me, right? So my goal for you today, and we're, we're kind of early so we can still pray. And don't try and take off before we pray. Just these two things, I don't know exactly in what way Jesus has been working his way into your heart. I mean, it, it would just be neat to have all the stories of each of us on the wall and be like, here's how he's doing, what, what he's doing with Nancy. And it'd be this intricate thing of like intricate, all these interweavings and, and hellos and wake ups. And, and that's for all of us. I don't know how he's doing that, but he is doing that. He is doing that for each of you. And he's, he's desiring so with the Holy Spirit's power now. They didn't have it yet to say I'm knocking and I'm wooing, and I don't wanna have a conversation that leaves you in a spot where you're clueless on what I'm doing, so I'm gonna be really honest with you. Here's what I'm trying to do, and here's what I'm saying no to, and here's what I'm leading you into. Will you follow me? Would you follow me? And this is just a beautiful picture of those who choose to be present with Jesus. Even the disciples, when they go and aren't present with Jesus, nothing good happens. Right? They come back, they're present with Jesus. Asking people, come be present with Jesus. Jesus is saying, my presence is the answer. Be present with me, follow me. But follow me now. Follow me now. Don't go do that. Follow me, be present with me now. Before anything, and this is probably the clearest picture I got from this passage and I'm gonna, I'm gonna be done. None of the other things matter unless Jesus' presence isn't involved. My family, my job, my loves, my athletics, my unwavering, stupid idea of having to win everything that doesn't even matter, if the presence of Jesus is not permeating those things, those things will not be true. They will just be my, they, I'll, I'll form them in my own image, which is what happens when we remove Jesus from being present with us. If Jesus is with us, we begin to form family in his image. We begin to form work in his image. We begin to give away of ourselves, it's just a beautiful picture of Jesus's presence to us and he wants to be present with you. How? That's number one. That's kind of crazy. And the next one is, if there's someone that you believe God is leading you to, ask for his wisdom about how to reach them. Whether it's someone you that's been in your life for 50 years or someone new, let him be the one who guides the interaction. And if they don't want what you have, see it as the gift it is. That's the beginning of something that he'll do. That's, that's all I have to say about that. So, all right. So we're going to pray a few different ways um, today. And this is going to be awkward and odd. Um, I think I'm going to start by sharing. Sarah stepped out. Um, Sarah and I are going to Canada for one month. Why are you doing that? Somebody texted me last night. They were like, you guys leaving the church? Yes, for one month. And then we're coming back. We're not leaving the church. We've been here for five years. We had our mentors say that after four years you should get away for at least a month. We felt it last year and did not do it because we were just gonna, you know, we're just gonna American this thing and get after it. And it we paid the price this year in a lot of different ways through health and through just a lot of things. So we we believe God is about to do amazing things in our family. So just for you to know, I will not be answering church related phone calls. For one month, if it's about Alabama football, I'm pretty I'm pretty much game for that. Um, if it's about the Braves, that's, I'm game for that. Those are things that are all right. If it's about just prayer and not related, I'm good with that. I won't be doing anything. I'm coming back and I'm expecting there to be three services. There's <laughs> our giving will have tripled. It's going to be amazing. Um, serving, all of that. So Sarah as well, she. stepping away, we're we're both really feeling like God is doing something in our family. And so the way that you can help us is to pray for us that we're not going to take the bait of trying to work or even plan for the season we come back. I'm trusting God to do amazing things. We've covered our base as well. If these are a couple things you just need to know about as a church community, especially with needs. This is Alex. Can you wave your hand, Alex? (laughs) Never wave your hand before you know what I'm going to say. He's actually over helping with some of our benevolence. So if anybody ever in this room is in a bad spot financially, we want to help you process how we can help. That Hear what I just said. We're not giving everybody money, right? If you have a $900 car payment, the conversation's not gonna be about getting you money. It's gonna be about selling your car. And getting, <laughs> it's gonna be about getting a realistic thing going, right? All right, number one. Number two, if someone asks you for money within our body, it's important that we know about it to help them appropriately. If that's happening or it happens over the next month when we're gone, we want to we help. But Alex is the person you reach out to. We have a system in place to help. Get those people help. We literally have a plan for that. But if it's all kind of happening behind the scenes and nobody knows what's going on, that's when it just gets confusing and um, we're not doing it to judge people. We really want to help. We have a certain amount of our budget that goes only towards that. So email Alex at... Needs at riversidemarter.com, not a baby. He's beautiful. Um, all right, so that's that's us. Y'all are gonna pray for us in a minute. Number two, I just wanted to clarify with the pots for just one moment. And the pots are just floating around everywhere, right? You guys, most of you probably have them memorized, so you won't even need to look down. I trust you. Pots. Here's what we're asking. I'm gonna give you a conversation like Jesus did, even though I'm not Jesus. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm not gonna pull any punches. Is that cool? So just gonna take them back, take them back my punches, amen? All right, here's the deal. Our body is doing fine. God's done some stuff. He's been faithful. He literally has. Where we're going, it cannot remain the same. It cannot remain the same. There are too many people in leadership. There's five of 10 of us that do a lot of stuff. And we need the next rung of people to step into the body. I'm pulling the punches back. If you don't, people will burn out. If you continue to feel like showing up on a Sunday morning and dipping out for a month, and then we're your church, it's not helpful. In fact, it paints the picture of a consumeristic church. We're not consumeristic. So when we ask you these things, we mean them. There's a percentage of people who pray. This is the least out of all of them. We ask you to commit to pray. I don't know how to pray. Let's have a talk. I don't know how to pray. Just Google search scripture on prayer. I don't know how to pray. Close your eyes and ask for something from God. I don't know how to pray. I would like to meet with you when I get back. It's that easy. There's like eight avenues of prayer. Show up on a Thursday night, six to seven. There's like 10 or 12 of us. I'm like, these are like the, these guys I feel like are walking in with swords. They're like. And they're like five, two girls that are like, like these, they're wielding swords for us. Literally, if you want me to be honest with you, these 10 to 12 people are fighting like none of us are. They're in here like, and we're like, praise you, Jesus. that's what it looks like in this. But in the spiritual realm, they're like, so. and it's like me and a bunch of women and, and Shane. So, thanks, Shane. <laughs> Wherever he is, he had to go to camp. So, if you want to jump into something, set aside a time to come and pray with us on a Thursday night. That's literally every week. It's not even hard, you show up and you walk in here, there's music on, we even chum the water with music. You don't even have to just do it quietly. Pray for your body. Like number one thing, right, set your face towards Jerusalem, but if we're not praying, what are we doing? We're just doing our best ideas, and all of us have the best ideas. All of you have the best idea, you're just waiting to be like, and if you did this? If you pray for a little bit, that probably would change. Pray, in one month when we come back, If half of us are not praying, we're doing it wrong. Number two, commit to be present with the body in the created communal spaces and groups and invest personally in relationships outside those spaces. Be present. You all have a reason to not be present. I promise. Something different happens when the entire body, literally for our church, about half of us come to each service. So every Sunday when we show up, we're like, huh, that's cool, but... It's like a whole different church. If all of us would choose to be present, it literally makes a difference. That shifts the weight, just the act of being present. And it is important to be present. So for those of you, everyone listen, that have formed this idea of what true community needs to be like, and if we can just do this, you're just forming community in your own image. These spaces, I didn't choose. This is the office of what God has called this to, has been throughout history. We don't get to tamper with that. This is his deal. The body of Christ gathering together, do not forsake it. Gather around the sacraments, break bread together, take the Eucharist together, pray, confess, worship. That's not, that we're not choosing. That's not like, wouldn't it be cool if we did these neat ideas? These are just the things that we're supposed to do to keep the body going and they're beautiful. Who liked worship this morning? I won't raise my hand for who didn't because some of you are like, eh, it's a little too loud for me, but it's all right. Okay, that's important. Be present in groups. And don't ever complain that you don't feel connected if you're not doing those things. The only thing you can do is go, have I connected? I just don't feel like I connect here. Who have you reached out to? I reached out to two people. When that didn't work, what did you do? I stopped doing it. Why? Because I was angry. Well, that's the issue, it's not even connection. You're angry, let's talk, amen? All right, we commit to giving financially to RCC. I'm not going to pull any punches here either. The only way we are here is if people give. Please hear me millennial. God has gifted you and you're a gift. You're helping people who have been the older people like we talked about see that there are needs to gather around. But for you to think that you don't need to give is just wrong in a local body. If you wanna meet in a local body that doesn't have giving, there are people who meet in homes, they're smaller groups and that is okay. That is not this. If this is what you believe in, you should be giving. That's probably the strongest thing I've ever said. Alex is like, yes! <laughs> <laughs> yes! So, listen, I mean, we're talking about, I don't know if you noticed, but for like nine months, we've had the most amazing thing God's been doing with our worship team. We don't pay people. Justin's been doing it, out of, he's a doctor. He's a doctor of animals. That has a name, but it's a veterinarian. <laughs> He just organizes it. All the other people, they're just organizing and helping. We eventually, in the next few months, want to hire. Guess what we don't get to do if we don't have the money? (laughs) Hire! Woo! It's a good day, right? I'm dipping out. We're like, (laughs) See y'all. Older people, older people, the ones who give, thank you so much. I mean, honestly, like prayer nights, prayer gatherings, being here, I don't know if you know this, but like, we don't do this. We don't do it without that contingent. We don't, it doesn't happen. You know, we don't even eat or live. That's, we, this is how we, we we both are together here working and our community is generous. If you give more, we're not like upping our salaries. I only have one wardrobe fund and that one is, just kidding, I've never had that, never will. You can probably tell, but anyway. We, de- we need you to give, I have questions about giving. Good, let's answer them, ask them. You're gonna have issues, that's good, you should. There's been serious abuse of finances in churches, right? Like I think we have this statistic, one of you was saying, maybe it was Jonathan, saying that the money stolen from church actually outweighs the money given towards mission by like millions of dollars. The money embezzled, so we're gonna give in two weeks when we're not here, we're giving you a description of what we're doing and we're actually having the deepest dive into our finances we've ever had. So it's, it's awesome. Um, Give, give money. If you wanna know how much percentage, don't ask me because I'm gonna say 20. So maybe just do your own thing. Do 10%, I'm not doing 10%, do like 5%. Make it consistent, the best thing you can do for us is make it consistent so that we can trust this is gonna be there when we hire people, this is gonna be there when we're doing something, right? Amen, anything else you guys would say? <laughs> <laughs> and then the last thing is to serve, right? Like. And this, is, this, this one makes me wanna cry the most, that there is this community of people that are attracted to churches that that, that have, have not really landed in first commandment first, the receiving the love of God before they serve. And so there's these like really energetic people that end up at churches that end up doing all of it, receiving identity from it. So there's that group that we need to say, thank you so much for carrying too much, but now it's time for you to settle into one thing. And then there's those people who just won't serve And I guess the clearest thing I could say is why? Why wouldn't you? I mean, I've got three kids back there. I want the best for them. I want them to feel like they're loved. You have kids back there. Like if you have kids, you should serve. I'm not called to kids. Serve somewhere else. Greet somebody. You wanna talk about the easiest thing in the world to do? Hello, how are you? And then introvert. Stand there and look at him, let him walk in. Prayer. Like, there's so many opportunities. Do you want to hear my favorite thing that's happened in the past two months? Two people. Elise, who's working right now, serving back there, she saw what we were doing for the men's retreat, and she wasn't, like, angry that they wasn't a women's thing. Like, a lot of people would be like, well, they do a lot for men, but they just don't do enough for women. We're going over here to this church, and they're going to do great. And so she was like, listen, I love what y'all are doing for, for men. I would love to help set up something for women. I want to do a Bible study around bread and wine and then take them on a retreat. And I'm like, yes, you do, amen. So we're starting the process of that. And then Alyssa, present at prayer, takes notes at prayer, sends them out to people. I'm not paying her anything. I wanna, I wanna serve the church by doing graphics. I'll do I'll do one for free each month. I've got a full-time job. She's like totally jumped in and serving, not too much, she's got community, but these these two females are like a strong thing here. Like they are totally kicking rear ends right now. Thank you, thank you. So I guess what I'm saying is, when we come back in August, all of these things will be 100%. Am I right or am I right, or am I right or am I right? I'm just asking you, wherever you're standing, what would it look like for you to do that into this? What would it look like for you to step in and, and realize like the weight of ministry and the joy of what we get to do? And if he can get all 200 plus of us, which is what we have adults, kind of unified and built around the vision that he's got for this church and this city that he's planted us in, and he has? There's already been too many miracles? What would happen? What would happen? What would happen? (laughs) So I'll see you guys in about six weeks, and we're gonna pray for the maze. Can you guys come up really quickly? We're gonna end service with the commissioning and sending to the land of California, and then the Scotland team. Yeah, I want you guys to just share really quickly what's happening. If you're angry at the church, we'll talk later. They're not.
3: Yeah, I spoke to Josh yesterday and jokingly asked if I could preach, and uh, he was not joking in his response. The answer was clearly no. Uh, In October, we went out to Los Angeles for the first time, my first time in California, and we thought it to simply be a vacation. We stopped at the place of work out there, and a job opportunity presented itself that was unexpected. Uh, We kind of shrugged it off at the get-go. We shrugged it off multiple times since, but God continued to to bring it up, and uh, each time we had somewhat nixed it, our friends and our community group really brought it up and said, well, maybe this is what the Lord will have for you out here. We continued to shrug it off, and it continued to be brought back up. I think in the past couple of months, since October, we've asked, like, why in the world would God bring us away from this church and our community? I don't think we have the answers yet, and I guess we're hopeful that our time in Los Angeles, it'll prove maybe a reason that God has us out there. I I think hindsight's 2020. We're going to look back and it's going to be clear, like, this is why God pulled us away from this good thing, because he had something better for us in Los Angeles. We're going to dearly miss all of our friends, the church, uh, the community group. Uh, We're excited to keep touch with each of you, though. And uh, if you're ever in Los Angeles, hit us up. (laughs)
0: Yeah, I think, Josh, what you shared today really helped articulate some of what this process has looked like for us. Um, In the fall, Jesus said, follow me. And we said, but first, we really want to spend time with this great community that we have. Um, But first, we really want to buy this house that we've been saving for for a long time. But first, I really want to spend more time at this amazing new job I just got at Racetrack. Um, But thankfully, the Holy Spirit and dear people, friends and family that are here, pointed us back toward the Lord's calling. So we're saying yes to following Jesus and not turning back. So thank you.
2: All right. So... um we got two things we're praying for, so if you guys want to pray for, uh, I mean, you're going to pray for everything, but if you want to come up and just lay hands on them, let's do that. Let's do it quick, though. Let's not do the like church thing where we're like, maybe I'll come and meander. Let's get up here quick. Amen? It's like CrossFit prayer. Let's do this. You win if you get up here first. Amen. Well, you don't need to know that we love you. You're both so in, uh, unique, and uh, you're just your own. You're. You're comfortable in your own skin, and you will be irreplaceable, um, and you're not supposed to be replaced, so you'll always be missed, and we'll, we'll be waiting for you to come back later. So I'll lead, and then you guys can just pray. We'll pray all together. If you have something for them after, that's great. So Jesus, we ask you to bless them in the very best way that you can, exactly what they need, and I just pray that their hands would be heavenward, that they would be open and ready for what you have for them. And I don't know what it is, and they don't, but you do. And we can lean heavily into that. We trust you, Jesus. I'm I'm expecting hearing beautiful stories of your redemptive plan and the gospel of Jesus spreading into their work and home. And I pray that you, Jesus, would be their comfort and support and that they would come alive in this next season, that we would see such life. Be with their family as, as they stay and send them and help them to be even stronger somehow through it. And we ask for this in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Love you guys. Real quick, Scotland team, come up. CrossFit, CrossFit Scotland team. We'll do right here. Yeah, you can stay if you want to pray. Oh, y'all over there? We all come over here. Cool, cool, cool. All right. We're sending. Let's do it again. Not as many people want to come pray for y'all. It's more intimidating, I think. All right, don't check your prayer box now from that last one either, guys. That's not it. Thanks, Jesus. We lift up this team. All of the struggle they've already gone through. How much more do you need, Bill? Twenty-four fifty. Honestly, should just be taken care of today. Um, we should just do that. So it's going to happen. So Jesus, we just thank you for providing for their needs. Um, I just sense he's also saying there are things that will happen on this trip that you don't just need finance for, but that you need his presence for. You're going to want to fight in yourself for things to happen um, in good places, but he's asking you to be at peace and let him work. If there's uh, something that's curious happening, just lean into him. As a team, let this be a trip. I, think, I feel like he's calling you guys to pray together more, uh, to gather in the mornings and pray over specific things and even talk about it. Um, and to pray four things. And bless the messages, the worship, all, all 30-something kids at the camp. Let them just receive the gifts that you have, Jesus, and let us hear stories. In your name we pray. Amen. 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 Love you guys. Um, lastly, I'm just going to ask you to reach your hands towards us. Just pray for us. Um, over here. Yes, 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 yes. Where's he at? All right, come up here. Sorry, guys. Tell us what you're doing. You got a 20-second snapshot.
3: 20 seconds. Uh, I ship out July 9th for Fort Benning. I'll be there for 16 weeks, infantry training and airborne. Um, Then after that, I have a higher chance of getting deployed right after. So,
4: yeah.
2: 20 seconds. Amen. Let's pray. Let's do it again. (laughs) Three in. Jesus, thank you for my friend. I love his heart. I love his mind. I love the connections we've had over the past year or two. I thank you for the... Genuineness I see in his eyes and heart, I pray that you would just be with him in every scenario, in every step, God. Remind him of why he's there and who you're calling him to. Gift him with a voice for people who are broken. Gift him with community that loves you and loves each other, and help them to fall in love with you and each other on this trip, God. Thank you for him and the gift he is. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks. All right. Now four. Just pray for us we come down here. I don't know. Yeah, y'all come lay hands on us. Come do it. This will, we'll close service like this. First timers, it was fun meeting y'all. We will never see you again. Hallelujah. Yeah, I'm not praying. I'm just making sure people come up now.
4: <laughs> oh Lord, I just um, I just thank you for our brother and sister here and for their all their kiddos and just I thank you for a season of rest and where you're sending them and. I just pray for richness inside of them while they're gone, um, just just that you would really revive them, and that as they come back, that this body would minister to them, Lord, that we would be stepping into the things that you're stirring inside of us, that it would be you, the head, that stirs it, and that they would come back into a place of being refre- mutually refreshed by the body. Um, I pray for family time together, just for strengthening of marriage and strengthening of family. Um, and just for the things that you're desiring to go deep inside of both of them for and that you've really been stirring in them, just that they would have the space um, to process those things through you, but that it wouldn't be a lot of work. There wouldn't be a lot of stress and a lot of striving for that, that it would just be like watching a flower blossom and come up from the ground and just just letting this process happen, just for your grace in them, just for renewing and filling them up. Um, in this time and also just in this year going forward that all these things wouldn't just be for this month that this would be sort of like the beginning of this new thing with you and this feeling with you and this movement with you Um, and I pray the same thing for their kids just for your encouragement for ministering to their hearts and their bodies and their minds and their souls just all of those aspects of each of them that they're needing right now we just love you, Lord. And we just bless them. We bless them as the body um, clinging to the head, praising you for these members. You know, we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you,
2: guys. Thank you. Thank you all. Uh, awkward ending of service, but sweaty. <laughs> love you guys. See you on a month. Be here. Um, if you have, if you are a first timer, you do have questions. We'll be up front on the right uh, to answer any of those. If not. If you need pastoral care, you can reach out to Jordan, who's point, and then Alita is helping. Alita, raise your hand during services for the next month as well as one of the wise counsel. So love you guys. Father, be with our body, and just let it be the, one of the richest months we've ever seen. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Love you guys.
0: Thank you
1: again for joining us today. And please visit our website at rivercitysmyrna.com.